and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. Today on Tim and Friends, Steve Nash's role in the absolute dumpster fire that is the Brooklyn Nets is over. You won't believe who's going to replace him. A second shot at Game 3 in the World Series. 12 games on the ice tonight, including five Canadian teams. Are the Sens being sold? And while the Leafs continue to struggle to put the worst away, their cousins down the hall, the Toronto Raptors, absolutely put it on the upstart Hawks last night, even without their all-star point guard. Perhaps there is a lesson in there for their MLSE brethren. Or not. All that and more coming your way in this 90-minute edition of the show for this November 1st, 2022. I'm Tim McCall. That is my friend Jesse Rubinoff over there. He holds the keys to your participation hello. in the show each and every day at Tim and Friends for both Twitter and the Gram. Were you saying hello to me or to them? Everyone. Hello, Jesse. You, for you? sure. Yeah. Hi, Tim. No, I mean, I thought you were saying hello to them. Yeah, no. The camera was on you. You were yeah. looking at them, not yeah. me. That's no, all good. There. Hello friends. to you too. We speak before the show though, so mostly. <laughs> we do, hello we do, we do. We've said his hello a couple times yeah. today. Uh, Jesse, did you like me smash several pieces of post Halloween candy last night and today? It's funny you said you framed it that way because literally last night and today is I definitely smashed. I feel like it went all to my face. What was what was the today. first thing that you did? Uh, I had a trifecta of coffee crisp, Twix, and Snickers going all night. Were they all in the same? They're not in the same box. That's not the same manufacturer. No, is it? no, it was. That I, is a it, wonderful no. combination, is what I'm saying. It's, and yeah. if that box was available, I would have gotten it. But I don't think it's. No, it's it was a mix. My in-laws put it out for for the kids. Uh huh. And I was just taking candy from a baby, quite literally. <laughs> quite literally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the kids came home, and I checked the candy. Right. Yeah. So I got two kids, 12 and 10. Mm -hmm. They come home, and they're in prime collecting ages. Right. Like they're they're not going out for seven minutes and coming back in because mm -hmm. it was cold and rainy in Toronto. They were out there, and they just it's the dump on the floor, and then pops has got to go through the candy. <laughs> I love seeing what they get. Uh, a couple full sized. Candy bars. Really? Oh, yeah. Couple. Like, not just one. So we're not in a, a recession. A couple. Yeah, that right there is. There you go. Is that proof we're not in a recession? That's exactly right. When yeah, you get full-size candy bars? That's the gauge, apparently, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Understood. Understood. The best thing that I saw in either one of their bags was my son got ramen noodles in his bag. Maybe we are and in a recession. my daughter complaint now these were high quality oh, okay. ramen right. noodles yeah. okay these weren't just the cheap kind the dollar store kind these were uh, still instant and somewhat cheap but my daughter complained that she didn't get the ramen I thought for sure they're gonna go ramen noodles mm -hmm. instead they were fighting over the ramen noodles and I'm kind of proud so <laughs> that, is, that, that is something to be proud of yeah. so as a parent how do you uh, stop them from eating too much candy or do you not care because they're they're yeah, getting we, older we used to do this thing when they were younger where we would pick okay you get a draft yeah you pick the 15 best you get one a day for 15 days jam done it comes to one work. a day one a day for 15 days yeah, that's strict but now that they're older there's no chance like right. they eat one an hour <laughs> and you <laughs> have to pull it out of their hands <laughs> like it's just coming off the conversation with Brock Vereen yesterday where there are a lot of rockets in those bags <laughs> the uh, American Smarties 
God's honest truth, the rockets came out of the bag, went into a separate bag <laughs> and went for anyone who wanted the rockets. Right, very nice. Because nobody in the McAuliffe household, American Smarties or rockets, psh, yeah, out the door. Love it. All right, Ted, Nick Kiprios, Mark Stein popping by. We'll get you set for Hockey Central ahead of a busy night on the ice tonight. There's a lot to get to today, including an NFL trade deadline and how important is Jamar Chase to the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm excited for this one. So without further babbling from your humble host, let's jump right into the big stories of the day. And first things first, for a Ruby Tuesday. So what's the story, Robert Ori? Oh, Big shot, Bob. First big first shot, Bob. One of the best. Uh, okay, let's begin in the NBA, and that's why you went with Robert Ory. Big news out of Brooklyn. As Steve Nash is no longer the head coach of the Nets. According to reports, it was a mutual decision between Nash and the team. The Nets have started the season 2-5 and five with a myriad of issues surrounding the team. Tim, was this move inevitable? Myriad of myriad issues, yes. yes. There was a myriad of issues, yes. I know that the Nets and their fans might be jacked about sending Nash on his way. Last night I saw reports that Nash got booed while Kyrie was cheered. I think Nash getting as far away as humanly possible from that dumpster fire mm -hmm. is probably a good thing for the Canadian Steve Nash. As always, the caveat being that the Nets have the talent to turn this thing around anytime. I mean, we saw that against the Toronto Raptors. Yep. KD and Kyrie were so tough down the stretch. You thought, well, this is a really good team. It always was a really good team. They just needed to find that really good team. And yet we look and they're two and five, <laughs> right? Yeah. And they have two, maybe three, of the biggest distractions in the NBA on their team. And in that league, that's saying something. Mm -hmm. And almost to prove that the franchise has learned absolutely nothing from all that they have gone through over the last couple of years, Woj is reporting while Jacques Vaughn will be the acting head coach, the Nets are expected to name suspended Celtics coach Ime Udoka, the new head coach of the already chaotic and dumpster-firing Brooklyn Nets within 24 hours. How bleeping fitting is... I mean, you can't even make this stuff up. The team in absolute chaos turns to the suspended coach who reportedly can't keep his Richard in his pants. And speaking of Richards, Kyrie Irving, for those keeping count, he's now played 12 seasons in the NBA and Udoka will be his 10th different head coach. And to be fair, since year four of his career, none of these teams have had a losing record, Jesse. That's right. So they've had good teams, and yet head coaches have been replaced one after another. Hmm. What, what might be the commonality? Yeah, the common denominator? Hmm. Perhaps it's Kyrie. Hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I want to speak to just... You would think on the surface that this would be an easy job for Steve Nash, considering the talent that existed there. But his first year, he had 38 different starting lineups. Yep. His second year, he had 43 different starting lineups. Correct. The numbers, KD and Kyrie only playing together 64 times. The trio with Harden included only 16 times. That's very difficult, no matter who the talent is. It's difficult I, to win that way. I don't know if Steve Nash is a good coach. Mm -hmm. I, I honestly, I have no idea whether or not Steve Nash is a good coach. I don't know if he got a fair shake at it. I don't know if the Ben Simmons deal was a smart deal, but James Harden 
wasn't going to stay there. Mm -hmm. The Simmons deal right now looks like a terrible deal. Terrible. And I wrote in my notes before starting the year that this might work out because there'll be no pressure on Simmons to shoot mm -hmm. because you've got two volume shooters mm -hmm. in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Yeah. I have no idea what this is. We all know they should be better. And every one of those guys has had problems along the way in the NBA and have fallen short. Like, the Boston Celtics were better without Kyrie Irving than they were with Kyrie Irving. Yeah. And Kyrie Irving is one of the greatest talents in the NBA, yes. right? Like, so I don't know if it's Steve Nash's fault. It could be. It also could be the three guys with track records of not making it work unless it is set up on a tee for them. Mm -hmm. Think about it. KD only won with the Golden State Warriors, mm -hmm. and Kyrie Irving only won with LeBron James. Crazy to think about. Uh, speaking of Kyrie Irving, a group of fans wearing fight anti-Semitism shirts sat courtside at Monday's game in protest of Kyrie Irving's recent posting of an anti-Semitic film and book on social media. Timmy, do you want to weigh in on this at all? Yeah, I think it's important, just as important as when in the past uh, we felt it necessary to weigh in on anti-black hate or anti-LGBTQ, like any other unnecessary division spurred mm -hmm. on by ignorance, uh, we'll weigh in. So let me be clear, I think it's important for um, non-Jewish folks like myself to stand up and say this kind of rhetoric, this kind of anti-Semitic tropes cannot will not be put up with. Anti-Semitism is real, it's on the rise, and it's simply not acceptable. We can't allow for ignorance of any kind to feed into these narratives, man. Like our history books don't even have to go back that far to show the kind of damage this can do. Even the pseudo-intelligent, like Kyrie Irving, mm -hmm. should be able to recognize this. Even if Kyrie's idea is simply to lift his people, none of us, black, white, brown, Jew, Gentile, Christian, Muslim, needs to do that at the expense of others. We never have to tear each other down to build ourselves up because that's exactly what those who seek to divide want us to do. I say don't fall for it. But Jesse, I would think that this hits even harder for you. Yeah, I mean, I'd been sitting at home over the last little while, had COVID, obviously might cough my way through this, uh, scrolling through Twitter and Instagram, following the Kanye West story, now the Kyrie Irving story. Right. Uh, wondering why companies like Adidas took so long to drop Kanye or why the NBA hadn't taken some sort of action against Kyrie. And I figured, hey, uh, why am I not doing anything? I'm Jewish. I have a bit of a platform here. It's on me to say something. So Kyrie is getting heat for posting about a 2018 movie based on a book that just by doing two seconds of research is clearly anti-Semitic. It states that the Jewish people have established five major falsehoods designed to protect their status and power, one of which is peddling the so-called lie that six million Jews were killed in the Holocaust in World War II. This is what the movie that Kyrie sent out to his 4.6 million followers is based on. And what is spreading this do? It opens the floodgates to all of the historical perceptions and tropes people have of the Jewish people. And all of these were present last night on Twitter in response to the teenagers sitting courtside yeah. at the Nets game. Many of these tweets, liked by thousands of people. Here are some of the facts. According to the Anti-Defamation League, anti-Semitic incidents reached an all-time high in the United States in 2021, a 34% increase year over year. 
assaults, person-on-person physical violence increased 167%. Combine this with the attacks online that you're seeing right now, and it's a lot. Sadly, something that seems to have been lost to me in our society, we talk about this a lot, is empathy. How does all of this make the Jewish people feel? I can tell you that for me, it does not feel good. What Kanye and Kyrie are doing is pouring gasoline on a fire that has been simmering for years. But now, it's raging. I understand that I'm preaching to the converted here. I don't think viewers of this show are anti-Semitic or racist or sexist or anything of the sort. Yet, like Timmy said, it's those people that don't have hate in their hearts that can make the difference. You can stand up and say, enough is enough. And I'm not here to rob anybody of their own truth. But why does your truth have to come at the expense of another group of people? Today I'm speaking up about anti-Semitism, but I am also against any form of hate for any group or any people, not just the group that I am a part of. People deserve to be judged as individuals. Full stop. Today it might be in vogue to be anti-Semitic, but ask yourself this. How would you feel if that hate was directed towards you? Here, here. Very well said. And I would suggest to you that Kyrie has felt that. Yeah. And that's what makes this so tough to swallow. But I, I really think that, you know, Kyrie and Kanye are just lost and uh, see themselves only in terms of their celebrity and the echo chambers on social media. And that's remarkably dangerous for anyone. Mm-hmm. And I see it way too often right now. Get out, talk to real people, and you will see that we are way more alike than we are different. No and question. hopefully that's what people will get from yes. uh, what you just said very eloquently. Thank you, and uh, you as well for saying what you had to say as well. Uh, let's go to the Toronto Raptors last right. night. Who were We roll on. We got to roll as on. As we always it, do. It, yes, yeah. that's how we do it here on Tim and Friends. Uh, they were coming off a big loss to the Philadelphia 76ers, and playing without Fred Van Vliet, who was dealing with a well, lower back stiffness, let's call it. Coming away with an impressive 139-109 win over the Hawks last night. Pascal Siakam, torrid start to the season, putting up 31 points to go with 12 rebounds and six assists last night. Tim, why does it seem like the Raptors always have a response when things get tough? That, that is the million-dollar question that many teams in many different sports try and answer for themselves. For the Toronto Raptors, I would say to you, suggest to you, it's because they simply outwork, outthink, and ultimately outplay teams. Like, think of the Nets that we were just talking about, the Sixers, the Lake, loaded with superstars. They should be embarrassed that the Toronto Raptors are winning more games than they are. Like, I have said this for years, that if in the NBA, your team just works their asses off every night, you'll start with 35 wins and build from there. That's exactly what the Raptors do. Their culture is passed down from their best players putting work in. And that breeds the same thing within the kids who are brought into the organization and should be a lesson to the rest of pro sports. The problem occurs when you get the one prima donna, the one first overall pick that feels like he slash she needs to be catered to and or babied, and you lose it all. The Raptors haven't had that. I just hope that the Raptors win again with this model just to prove to the rest of the NBA and all these coddled superstars getting handed the keys before they do jack that talent alone doesn't do. Like, I thought Kobe Bryant taught everyone that lesson, right? 
Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. If you have both, like Kobe Bryant, you are unstoppable. But it appears as though, as we look across the NBA and beyond, that lesson still needs to be taught. Mm -hmm. And maybe even passed down the hallway to the Toronto Maple Leafs. But <laughs> good for the Raptors. And I'm telling you, the rest of the basketball world is starting to take notice. I, just, I know we talked about this before the show, mm -hmm. but Worldwide Wob, he posted simply, and this is, this is the heartbeat of basketball. Worldwide Wob's Twitter account feels like, to me, the heartbeat of basketball. He just posted 79 seconds of the Raptors playing defense in appreciation for how they do it. And that appreciation is starting to grow and good for the Raptors. Oh, 100%. And just the response, I mean, you touched on it. I don't have to add anything there. But um, with, with Fred not playing in this game, and we talked about this yesterday at length, and we have for, for actually two years, but as minutes, if they can play that well without Fred, and obviously he's a huge part of this team. They need him. There's no question about that. But you were talking to Matty D yesterday, and he said, the minutes over the course of the whole season are something that's important. So if he can maybe sit out and they can take it a little bit easier with him, and then they have these guys that can step up. You saw last night. Yeah, that's OG, earning trust, right? Scotty, yeah. Coloco, nine points, five boards, three blocks right. in only 21 quality, minutes. Quality minutes. Quality yeah. minutes. So that can take maybe a little bit of the load off Fred and Pascal. I know you can't really play without Pascal right now. But certainly Fred, maybe he sits out a couple games here and there just to keep himself a little bit more fresh and they can – Seemingly, they have a, the lineup to do it. Yeah, and in theory, this was a bad matchup historically for Fred, yeah, too. Yeah. So it might have been the right game to sit him down mm -hmm. and try this. It ended up being the right game. So good for the good for Pascal Siakam. 31 <laughs> more, 12 more, and six dimes more. Uh, and that's another guy just putting in work, right? Yeah. 27th pick overall to a top 10 player in this league. And maybe even, Pascal, top five. Maybe even top five. He's getting MVP chance last night. MVP chance, yeah. Like that's that's where we are right now, and I know obviously it's it's still early, but you gotta be you gotta be impressed with him. Oh, without a doubt, without no a doubt. Question. Remember, folks want to get rid of him. Yeah, yeah. I mean that <laughs> that seems to have changed just a wee bit. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's go to the uh, the National Football League All because right. uh, there's a lot going on. It's the trade deadline, and it passed just over an hour ago. And big names on the move. Bradley Chubb is now. A Dolphin. Abbotsford, BC's Chase Claypool was dealt from the Steelers to the Bears. The Vikings have a new tight end yeah. TJ Hawkinson. They needed a new tight end. And the Bills add Naheem Hines. Tim, what move do you think will have the biggest impact? Oh, the Naheem Hines is so seductive, but I really wanted someone who could run the rock with some power on the Buffalo Bills. Like, I, I like this move. I think Naheem Hines will help. I just... I don't know if it was Kareem Hunt. I don't know if you want to add Kareem Hunt to your football team, but I thought someone, Naheem Hines is an elite pass catcher out of the backfield and will make this team more dangerous. He will make big plays. The, the part where I worry for the Buffalo Bills is when they have that 14-point lead against a good team, like, I don't know, the Kansas City Chiefs, can they <laughs> run out the nice. clock by pounding the ball down your throat mm -hmm. and not have to lean on Josh Allen to do it all the time. I haven't seen it from Singletary. James Cook and Naheem Hines, like high-end James Cook is Naheem Hines, is it not? Yeah, that's that's why I raised an eyebrow a little bit because right. he had been getting the ball a little bit more in the last couple of weeks. So, so I guess they don't have faith in a rookie. So despite what 
Miami gave up, and it seems significant. Mm -hmm. Is the Bradley Chubb move to the Miami Dolphins the best move of the deadline? Yeah. The or maybe, maybe if we go back a day, we can say Roquan Smith to the Ravens, too. Yeah. Two pretty good at linebackers added. The Bears just, yeah, trading everyone on their defense away. But, and the Dolphins feel like they're going a little bit all in here. Uh, which is first round pick yeah which yeah. is I don't know if it's surprising because the, the talent is certainly there um, it's just you got to keep Tua healthy because Tua has has proven the last few weeks that he if he looked pretty good last if he's week. healthy or this week however he, you put it. he can get it done uh, okay let's go to baseball and after being rained out last night the fall classic resumes tonight in Philadelphia with a series tied at one the extra day means the Phillies will now start Ranger Suarez instead of Noah Syndergaard, while the Astros will still counter with Lance McCullers Jr. Tim, who did the one-day postponement benefit the most? Yeah, we got this one yesterday. It's the Phillies, and uh, not only did they get Ranger Suarez in for Game 3 once again, as you mentioned, but now Aaron Nola, the Phillies Game 1 starter, will go in Game 4. Um, this, without a doubt, favors the Phillies. I don't know if it's enough, but it's definitely something. So this favors... The Phillies, I don't know if they're favored for tonight's game. We'll check it out on uh, <laughs> Bet Rivers during the break, and we'll come back with Tim Kirchin. That's right, still to come. Nick Kiprios in studio to break down a busy night in the NHL, the latest drama in Leafs land. And speaking of drama, Mark Stein will join us for more on the Brooklyn Nets and their soon-to-be brand-new head coach, Ime Udoka. But up next, getting you set, Game 3 World Series, Tim Kirchin. Live from Philadelphia, you're watching Tim and Friends on Sportsnet, Sportsnet 360. In sports. We are going to have baseball today, it looks like, apparently. Game three, allegedly, weather permitting, you know the drill. Otherwise, this series is going to go into Thanksgiving, Black Friday, uh, maybe the holidays. Steve Nash is out as head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. This was a mutual decision between Nash and the Nets. Just seven games into the season, Steve Nash no longer the head coach. After a two and five start, Skinner, far side, one timer scores! It's dropped back and patience pays off right there! TNT does it again! His second goal of the game, his fourth point of the evening. Hunting for a second hat trick, back it all, what a move! Are you kidding me? Hat trick, Tage Thompson! Welcome back, friends. We learned yesterday that it's not always sunny in Philadelphia, especially during the World Series. Apparently, a lot of times it rains. Yesterday was one of those days after Game 3, the World Series rained out. Things looking much better tonight. Of course, you can see the game on Sportsnet starting with MLB Central, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for Pacific. Now, before we get to Philly, some breaking news. We did know that five Toronto Blue Jays were nominated for gold gloves. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., has in fact won his first gold glove. The Toronto Blue Jays tweeting out the information moments ago. So breaking, Vladdy Guerrero wow. is your gold glove winner at first base for the Toronto Blue Jays. Imagine uttering that phrase about five <laughs> yeah, years ago. I mean, third base, the first, and now a gold glove. Not bad. Pretty good transition. Yeah. Pretty smooth transition. For That's for the hard kid work. At first base. All right, let's go to Philadelphia and bring in ESPN baseball writer, analyst, winner of the 2022 Baseball Writers Association Career Excellence Award, friend of the show, Tim Kirchin. How are you, Timmy? 
I'm well, Tim. How you doing? I'm I'm doing very well. Listen, I'm no meteorologist, though I did play one on television yesterday. It appears as though we've got a little bit better weather today in Philadelphia. Yeah, it's way better today, and it's going to be better tomorrow and better on Thursday. So as much as we hated to see last night's game rained out, it was cold, it was wet, it was rainy for most of the night. They probably could have gotten it in, but it would have been a sloppy game. It's going to be much better tonight. They're keeping the travel day, so I think Major League Baseball made the right decision postponing that game last night. Just the uh, 25th postponement in the 118 World series that we have seen thus far. Um, do you think that the postponement maybe favors the Phils, Tim? I do because Ranger Suarez is their third best pitcher and now he will start game three of the playoffs. He has a very slow heartbeat. Nothing bothers him. He never panics. He's a great fielding pitcher and I don't think he's going to be bothered at all by the experience of being starting in a World Series game at home. But more important, Aaron Nola, who's really their either best or second best starter, can be moved up now till, the four, till game four. So to me, the, the Phillies' best chance of winning the World Series was getting four starts from Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola, and now they're basically guaranteed of that with Nola moving up to four. So I don't think there's any doubt this helps the Phillies more than it helps the Astros. It's funny because if you had told me that the Astros would get to those two starters, specifically Nola and Wheeler, the way they did in the first two games, I would have said that they'd be in a great spot. But, but going to Philadelphia 1-1 also seems to be a win for the Phillies, given what we saw in those first two games. No doubt. Again, they're the two key guys for the Phillies. They have to pitch exceptionally well for them to win the World Series. And neither one did in their first two games. And they're one-to-one, -one and they're coming home. And home is a big difference for the Phillies. The Phillies are 5-0 and at home in the postseason. They've scored 35 runs, seven per game. They've hit 12 homers in five games at home in the playoffs. They're a different team here. And this crowd, I'm telling you, this crowd is crazy. I did game three of the Braves Phillies, which was their first home playoff game in this ballpark since 2011. And that this place was absolutely alive from the first pitch to the last. And Canadian Rob Thompson told me he has never heard a crowd stand and cheer from the first pitch to the last pitch like this crowd did in that game three of the division series against the Braves. I expect it to be just as loud and just as raucous tonight. I, that, that's the one thing that I, I feel like we were robbed from. Philadelphia World Series on Halloween could have been electric. <laughs> well, I, I walked the streets a little bit last <laughs> yeah. night after our game. Not very long because it was raining. And <laughs> if the streets were any indication what Halloween was like, it might have been even <laughs> crazier in this ballpark because I saw some strange stuff on the streets last night. <laughs> yeah, Halloween, Philadelphia. Uh, I could understand it. D do you know or can we, can we guess what we're going to expect from Lance McCullers Jr. in this spot? Um, I think he's going to be fine. This is his 19th postseason appearance and his 12th postseason start. So he has been here before plenty of times. 
the Astros have won his last four postseason starts, and in that time, he has a 166 ERA. He's changed his, you know, repertoire a little bit. Remember, this is the guy who threw 24 straight curveballs in a start a few years ago. He throws change up a little more, fastball a little more, slider a little bit more. I think he's a little bit more difficult to guess along with. But the number one thing, he's not going to be overwhelmed by this atmosphere, no matter how loud and crazy it might get here in Philadelphia. Uh, is there any way to know if Jose Altuve is awoken from his mighty slumber? I think he has. The way it's been explained to me by some of his teammates and former managers is once he gets one hit, he gets 10 hits. And if you look at the way he has played most of his career, he's hit a couple of bad slumps. I found a bad slump like in early August for him, seven for 31. That's a bad slump. And it's like he got angry and he got 11 hits in his last 18 at bats or his next 18 at bats here. He was over 25 at one point in this postseason. He struck out in 16 consecutive games. Only Ryan Howard with 17 has a longer such streak in the history of the postseason. But he got three hits in game two. And again, this is how Altuve works. Once he gets going, you better watch out because three hits becomes three more, two more, three more. He's very streaky for a guy who's been as consistent as he's been. It was funny, during the off days before the World Series, we had rumors about Shohei Otani and Aaron Judge, and it felt like uh, everyone was taking the time to speculate. Yet after game two, there wasn't much on Framber Valdez, at least from the national media, maybe some from Philadelphia. Did, did Rob Thompson kind of uh, stop that conversation with what he said after game two? Yeah, I think so. Look, I, I've seen Framber Valdez pitch a lot of times, and he's always rubbing his hands together. And I don't think it was that big of a deal, and I think Thompson had a lot to do with stopping that. Now, I think that the sticky stuff, to some degree, is back in the game. At least that's what I'm told consistently from the people that I talk to. However, this thought that you're going to bring out sticky stuff in game two of the World Series with everybody watching just doesn't make any sense. So I think it's time to, to deal with it, this again in the offseason, but to bring it up in game two of the World Series, I'm not sure that's the prudent thing to do. The, the other thing that surprised me um, is Justin Verlander's numbers in the World Series. Is there any hesitancy to go back to Justin Verlander given his inability thus far to win a World Series game? They're going back to him as soon as possible. Yeah. I had a long talk with him before the game about what happened in game one, and he just didn't have his best stuff. You know, he said, look, I'm a starting pitcher. I can't throw all fastballs. He went to his breaking stuff, and it got hit pretty hard. And, yes, he's 0-6 with a 6.08 ERA. He's also started more game ones in the postseason than any pitcher in history. He's also won more game ones than any pitcher in postseason history and has more strikeouts than anyone. But yes, it's an issue now here in the World Series, but there is simply no way that Dusty Baker is going to say, I can't trust Justin Verlander, who I think is going to win the Cy Young this year. He will. They're going to put him out there as soon as he's ready, and they, they may put him out there again in game seven if it gets that far and they need an inning or two.
It's crazy. Um, let me ask you one thing that we've been having a conversation uh, surrounding, uh, or at least around on this show for the last little while. Do you like 2-3-2? Because to me, it kind of sort of favors the lesser team. Uh, I like 2-3-2 two, two because if you really go any other way, uh, we have too many travel days. If you want to go 2-2-1-1-1, two, two, one, 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 that's just too many off days, too many travel days. I don't think there's a better way to do this in a seven-game series. And, yes, the, the weaker team, the second seed in the World Series, does get an advantage if they can split on the road. They right. get three straight at home like the Phillies are going to get here. But I think this is the fairest way to do it. Doesn't mean it's always fair, but I don't think there's a better way to do it than 2-3-2. Two, two. Right, and we just happen to hit the day where a game is postponed in the World Series, which kind of throws that out of whack. But I get you. I hear you. And I appreciate you, Tim. Thanks for jumping on and doing this with you. And hopefully it stays warm enough. Hopefully it stays dry enough. And hopefully you don't see the folks walking around Philly that you saw last night. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Anytime. There is Tim Kirchin, one of the best in the business, and that's why he is the winner of the 2022 Baseball Writers Association Career Excellence Award. Doesn't like those travel days much. Well, that that I, it plays into the pitching, right? Like it plays into the starting pitching, mm -hmm. and it gets guys rest that normally wouldn't get rest. And in baseball, that's part of the equation. I get it. I understand it. I just think that when you get that three at home, especially yeah. when you're able to get a split on the road, there is a bit of an advantage to a team that was considerably lesser in the regular season, yeah. right? Like I, I agree. I, it's it's funny because it's an advantage almost to the lesser team both ways you do it. Because in the the other way, the two two one one one, mm -hmm. there would be more travel days, and therefore Nola and Wheeler get and mo again. most teams that make the World Series have two good Bullpens, starting pitchers, yeah. anyways, right? Yeah. So they'd get rest in that scenario too. So right. it's almost like six and one. What Tim's together. trying to say is that the depth of the better team. Yeah should prevail i just don't know that that happens in a seven yeah. game series all the time which is why you don't really have uh the best of the best mm -hmm. winning the world series every year it's in baseball. fact it's, it's more rare than it is it's more the exception of the rule than it is the mm -hmm. actual rule that the best win the world series all right uh, we'll take the quick break coming up back to basketball and the absolute dumpster fire that is the brooklyn nets can Ime Udoka fix it all. Steve Nash is out as head coach. Could they really bring Udoka in to replace him? That's what's being talked about. We'll discuss it with Mark Stein after this. November 1st kicks off the start of the 16th annual campaign in Canada to raise funds and awareness for prostate and testicular cancers as well as mental health and suicide prevention. Grow a stash, donate some cash, or get the word out by signing up at Movember.com to help change the face of men's health. All right, welcome back inside the Tim and Friends studios. Like sands through the hourglass, <laughs> so is the NBA and the Brooklyn Nets right now. Uh, for the latest, let's bring in longtime NBA insider, Sportsnet contributor, and the most famous Buffalo Sabres fan in Canada. How about them Sabres, Mark Stein? What's going on? I know we have serious stuff to talk about, but I appreciate not getting in trouble 
for wearing this hat for one, my uh, my hair not be good for the viewers right now. Two, just uh, pay my respect. You know, just quickly, I saw him for the first time November 2018 in Pittsburgh. Fell in love with him on the spot. So I have long been on the bandwagon, long before hat tricks like last night. Okay, so let me just ask one follow-up question. We have Please. seen we've seen this before from the Sabers. Is this one sustainable? I mean, the math says it has to be sustainable one of these years, man. I mean, it's (laughs) 11 years since we were in the playoffs. Um, But really, like I said, I'm just, you know, I have very, very little time in my life, unfortunately, for the NHL and for my Sabres. But like I said, I went to go see the Sabres in Pittsburgh 2018, right before the day before LeBron made his return to Cleveland as a Laker for the first time. Saw Tage Thompson score a goal. Sabres come back from 4-1 down to win 5-4 in Pittsburgh. And I, I'm i just glad that my scouting eye, as untrained as it is, I knew this guy was going to be a player. Love seeing the all-star he's becoming. And uh, we have to be back in the playoffs one of these years, man. We have to. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it would be fit, it would be fitting if you guys finally made the playoffs and the Toronto Maple Leafs missed the playoffs. But if we could get a Buffalo Saber Toronto Maple Leaf playoff matchup, man, would those two barns be absolutely rocking! Uh, all right, let's let's do this next story. It's unreal. Uh, the drama is unreal. We'll go step by step here. Steve Nash. Uh, mutually parts ways with the Nets. Is that the way you heard it described, and were you surprised? I mean, not at all. Honestly, two nights just looking so grim at the podium and talking about how a home loss to the Pacers was a disaster, how he didn't see the will. He's basically telling us, the public, that he's not getting a response from this team. And honestly, from that moment... I started to think that it's over. And look, Steve has a really strong relationship with Sean Marks, the GM there, and the owner, Joe Sy, loves him as well. So, you know, it's as mutual as a divorce can be, but look, it's ultimately, it is the ouster of a coach. So is that ever mutual? It's, you know, it's never going to be really, really mutual. I'd say as mutual as it can get. I watched the Nets play the Raptors, and KD and Kyrie down the stretch were unbelievable. And the Nets beat the Raptors. I look up and I see two and five, and I wonder, did KD and Kyrie maybe get their way here? Well, to a degree, I suppose they have. But, I mean, look, this, you know, I've been saying it since early August when it came out that Kevin Durant basically told the Nets, trade me or fire the coach and GM. And I'm certainly not alone in saying it. I think people all over the league have been wondering aloud, how on earth can Steve Nash ever coach this team again after it is publicly known that Durant no longer wants him there? And obviously that's so thick with irony because Steve Nash wouldn't have had the job with no coaching experience on any level if the hiring didn't have the blessing of Kevin Durant and he didn't have such a close relationship with Kevin Durant. But obviously, uh, you know, those situations change. Uh, Kevin Durant has been known to change his worldview on more than one occasion. (laughs) Clearly, he was no longer the fan of Nash's coaching that he thought he would be on the way in. Uh, 
And look, the Nets brought Nash back to start the season, so they didn't just give the superstar what he wanted in August. Um, but that reprieve lasted seven games. Right. So now reports that it's Ime Udoka, who, if you don't know, is suspended by the Boston Celtics. What are you hearing on that front? Well, look, from a pure coaching and personality perspective, Ime Udoka makes a lot of sense. He's very close with Durant as well. He was an assistant at the Nets under Nash before he got the Boston job. He got an incredible response from a Boston team as a rookie coach to get them to the NBA Finals. Uh, you know, he has a much harder edge than Steve Nash, and so theoretically can get a different response from these players. But you cannot judge this on a pure basketball basis when Ime Udoka was suspended for the whole season by the Boston Celtics for a relationship with a female employee that the Celtics deemed a violation of team policy to the degree that, look, he again, as a rookie coach, took that team to the finals. The Celtics suspended him for a year and are now basically letting him go. And it appears with no compensation involved, I mean, they're, they're going to let him go. So I think that tells you how egregious or serious the Celtics felt the actions were that led to that suspension. And the Nets appear to just be, you know, the Nets are so desperate there. They're not paying, you know, they say they're doing due diligence here. But, uh, you know, given everything that's swirling around Kyrie Irving after tweeting about a movie that's widely perceived to be anti-Semitic, no response yet from the Nets really beyond a comment from Joe Cy, the owner, nothing from the league, uh, you know, statement after statement from the league, the players association from Nike that doesn't even name Kyrie Irving in that climate where so many people are upset about what's going on with the Nets. And now they're going to, it appears, hire a coach who was suspended for a year in Boston and his suspension will, will then only last six games because the Celtics have only played six. This is, uh, it's, it's almost unbelievable to think that in the midst of all this, they could turn to Ime Udoka. Uh, I do have something that was sent to me uh, from a friend of the show that says uh, Salary.com has a posting of the Brooklyn Nets public relations coordinator job available <laughs> right now. Um, could the NBA have a say in either Udoka or eventually Kyrie Irving? Yes. Now, the Nets, Sean Marks did meet with the media within the last, I don't know, half hour, hour. He says there are ongoing talks with the league, with the Anti-Defamation League. So Marks is suggesting that there still could be some sort of sanctions for Kyrie Irving. He didn't spell it out that clearly, but he at least said that there are ongoing discussions. But as days go by and more and more people watch the movie that Kyrie tweeted about and see what was in the movie, uh, you know, there will be, you know, the, the Nets are keeping Kyrie Irving away from the media right now. He's not doing any interviews. There are a lot of questions that we want to ask him, you know, and, you know, when when are we going to get those answers? Uh, you know, to this point, there has been, you know, really no indication that any further action will be taken. And to this point, nothing has happened beyond Joe side tweeting, you know, public criticism of of Kyrie's initial tweet. Um, so there are a lot of questions, and unfortunately on that front, not very many answers. Let me, let me ask you one question that's got a, a little bit of separation from the previous conversation, but not a lot. Is, is there a point 
where uh, Kyrie's distraction becomes more than his talent is worth? Certainly, externally, I think we've long since reached that point. Mm -hmm. But again, the Nets are operating in a very desperate manner. They've got these two superstars. They've basically been a championship or bus team for the last three years. Uh, They're nowhere close to it right now. So, you know, they're going to insist that this is only a distraction for us on the outside, that it's not an issue in the locker room with the team. Um, And so, you know, there have been calls. You know, Mike Vaccaro in the New York Post wrote a very strong column, you know, basically urging the Nets to just walk away from Kyrie Irving after this point, after, uh, you know, everything that happened last year with not taking the vaccine and not being available for the first half of the year, and then the Nets giving in and reinstating him. Um, But, you know, again, whether the Nets are prepared to take any of those steps, uh, it it sure does not appear so. All right, we'll stick uh, to better news in your Buffalo Sabres. Appreciate you doing this. All good. Always a pleasure. Good to be with you. There is uh, Mark Stein. Catch his stuff. Mark.steinstubstack.com. Got a good and since you understood, we will turn our attention to the hat that he was wearing in the game of ice hockey. Nick Kiprios joins me in studio to look ahead at a busy night in the National Hockey League. Plus, are the Ottawa Senators for sale? And what can the Leafs do to get their season back on track? We will examine it all, at least try to. Kipper in studio after this short commercial break. Nice hat. You liked it? Yeah, the staples are nice colors. And now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Chief Dice. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Tim McAuliffe along with Jesse Rubinoff. And we'll be with you for another 30 minutes ahead of Hockey Central and Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. Busy night in the league. Nick Caprios will join me in a few minutes to break it all down for the final half hour. Too sweet to be sour, but we begin with baseball. Game three of the World Series goes tonight in Philadelphia after it was postponed due to rain yesterday and the delay may be an advantage for the Phillies. Extra day allows them to go with Ranger Suarez as their starting pitcher rather than Noah Syndergaard while the Astros are sticking with Lance McCullers. Philadelphia 5-0 at home in the postseason. Astros are 3-0. Something's got to give the 3-0 on the road. Got a good since you understood since you can see tonight's game on Sportsnet starting MLB Central, 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific. Meanwhile, postseason awards are starting to be handed out. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is your Gold Glove winner at first base in the American League. It is Vladdy's first career Gold Glove and comes two years after he switched from first to third. He had a 990 fielding percentage this past season. Matt Chapman did not win at third, Jesse. Yeah, that is a double eyebrow raiser. Double eyebrow raiser. Busy night in the NHL, 12 games on the schedule. That, too, is an eyebrow raiser. Five Canadian teams. The Oilers host the Predators at Rogers Place. You can see it. Sportsnet 1, 7 local, 9 Eastern. Jack Campbell is expected to get the start in goal for the Oilers. With more from Edmonton, here's my friend and yours, Gene Principe. Oh, Gino. Tim, I hope uh, you and your family had a great Halloween, as was the case, I'm sure, for all of our viewers on Tim and Friends. Uh, No trick here, but a treat 
to watch Connor McDavid. That isn't exactly breaking news. That's been the case ever since he entered the National Hockey League. And he's off to uh, an unbelievable start. I'm not sure if he has another level to his game, but it appears to be the case early this season. Not surprisingly, Connor is leading the NHL going into the night's action in points. Uh, that happens when you're a multiple Art Ross Trophy winner. But he's also leading the NHL in goals as we enter the second full month of the season. That might be a little more surprising. McDavid has been uh, one of those players already this season and uh, maybe the only one that has a couple of hat tricks and they will play their 10th game of the season tonight, the Oilers, as they get set for the Nashville Predators. Uh, Jay Woodcroft was asked whether uh, McDavid is, you know, chasing that elusive 50 goal mark, uh, one of the few things he has yet to do this season. But uh, the coach kind of said, no, uh, Connor's being Connor. When he has a good opportunity to score, he takes the shot. If he feels like a pass to a teammate, will give that teammate a better opportunity to score than McDavid does that. His shooting percentage is a little higher this season early on than it has been in the past. And one other uh, oiler that has a really good shooting percentage and has had a great start to a season is Zach Hyman. Uh, head coach Jay Woodcroft said, and I think this might describe the former Leaf, sorry, not trying to rub it in, uh, the best possible way. Easy to play with, but hard to play against. The Oilers have won four in a row. Tim looking to make it five in a row if they can be victorious this evening at Rogers Place. The rest of Canada is enjoying the Leafs. There's nothing wrong with that right now. Let's head south <laughs> on Highway 2 to Calgary where the Flames will host the Seattle Kraken tonight. Viewers in the Calgary region can see it on Sportsnet Flames 9 Eastern 7 Mountain. Ryan Leslie standing by with more on tonight's game and some potential changes to the Flames lineup. Ryan? A short time ago, head coach Daryl Sutter wondered if it would be Jonathan Huberto who would be a better suit for Nazem Kadri or perhaps Elias Lindholm. Well, we haven't exactly seen it take off alongside Elias Lindholm, and we saw on Monday Huberto playing with Nazem Kadri. We will wait and wonder, at least until warm-up, whether or not it will be that pairing going up against the Seattle Kraken tonight. Uh, we will also see a change on that fourth-line center. Looks like it's going to be Adam Ruzichka making his season debut. And the goaltending tonight for Seattle, it will be Joey Decord. And for Calgary, you're looking at Dan Vladar getting the nod. Tim. Thank you, Ryan. As always, Canucks host the Devils. Tonight, you can catch looking for three straight. See it in Sportsnet 360, 10 Eastern, 7 local in Vancouver. Canucks looking to build on those back-to-back -back wins. Brock Besser game time decision, but either way, Vancouver will have some reinforcements in the lineup tonight. Dan Murphy standing by, Rogers Arena with more. Murph! Tim, greetings from Vancouver, where tonight the Canucks will aim for a modest three-game winning streak. And let's be honest, they need it after starting the season 0-5-2. Canucks coming off their most complete game of the season, a 5-1 win over the Penguins on Friday night, and yet Bruce Boudreau is going to make wholesale changes to his defense. Ethan Bear was acquired on Friday. He'll make his Canucks debut tonight. He hasn't played a regular season game since April the 28th. Quinn Hughes has missed the last four games with a lower body injury. He's set to go tonight, so he'll go head-to-head -head against his brother Jack. And Riley Stillman, he's missed the last four games with an undisclosed injury. He's set to go as well. Canucks, it's a tough test tonight. New Jersey Devils, one of the hottest teams in the National Hockey League. They've won six of their past seven games, and their underlying numbers are excellent. 
First in the National Hockey League in shot attempts for. Second in scoring chances for. Second in scoring chances against. Second in high danger chances for. And first in high danger chances against. What does that add up to? Well, they're an excellent team at both ends of the rink. They're very speedy. And those are the types of teams like Buffalo and Carolina that have given the Canucks problems. Tim? Another one of those upstart teams, New Jersey Devils. The Senators could be described like that. They continue their road trip in Tampa tonight after a 5-3 loss to the Panthers on Saturday. Ottawa, though, 0-3 on the road this season earlier today. Shane Pinto is named NHL's Rookie of the Month, and tonight he'll get shot on the second line with Alex DeBrincat and Claude Giroux. The Habs off to a 2-0 start to their four-game road trip. Um, Head out for three straight tonight as they visit the Wild. Montreal exploded for seven goals in Saturday's win over the Blues, including Christian Dvorak's first career hat-trick and three points each from Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. Meanwhile, the Leafs were back on the ice in Toronto today after returning from what many thought was a disastrous road trip. Pressure mounting, 4-4-2 four, four start to the season. The fan base kind of frustrated, though they have been for a few years now. Players were asked about it today. I think we're frustrated too. I think it's not a one-way street. Obviously, we want to be better. We want to win games and uh, uh, you know play to to our capabilities. So um, you know, it's definitely not a one-way street. There, we're obviously frustrated, and uh, like I said, we uh, we expect better from each other. Um, you know, it starts with today, good practice, and then back at it tomorrow. I don't know what you guys are really saying. To be honest, I've deleted social media. Like I've said this for multiple years. I don't really have it. Um, you know, it's just found it's um, a poisonous thing. It's kind of um, gets in your mind a little too much. You think about it, you see things a little too much. So since I've gotten off that, it's been great. It's been just refreshing for me and my mindset. So I'm not really seeing much, but I can definitely see and feel from others uh, the frustration from the fan base, but you get it. I mean, we're a team that has a lot of expectations for ourselves. Uh, we've got an unbelievable fan base that wants us to win every game. And, um, you know, we haven't been able to play up to our standards yet. And, um, we just got to make sure we turn that around tomorrow. All right, Nick Kiprios is in the studio. I was listening to Kipper, uh, real Kipper is. in the born on the way in. Jesse Rubinoff, round of applause. Nick yeah, Kiprios, of course. To. But uh, you got a little bit fired up today. We, we, uh, it seemed like well, you were kind of... We, this is our team that we follow, Justin Bourne and, and, uh, right, locally and me and, and, and Sam fan, McKee, yeah. who represents Leaf Nation as a producer. <laughs> so... Uh, it's like anything else. We're right in the middle of it. Uh, yeah. You pick up the emotion. You try to understand it. Spend two hours talking about it. Okay, so what's solve the, nothing? By what's the, way. the one? What's <laughs> the one big thing that not enough people are focusing on during this four-four and two start? Well, I, I I think most of all, it's ten games in. And do people believe that uh, that's enough of a sample size to understand what the, the Leafs have and, and what's missing? And are they contenders for a Stanley Cup or are they just contenders to, to make a playoff and, and, and everything's on the upside? After coming off 115 points, people assume that uh, they'd be in that number again and it hasn't started out that way. So what have we seen? Is 10 games enough to get a sample size of truly knowing what they have? We also know that uh, this isn't uh, the team that uh, they envisioned on the blue line. Uh, and a little banged up. Whether or not Jake Muzzin is the biggest reason of all, not having a shutdown guy. Um, 
all of those things come up to play on, on, on two hours of uh, what's wrong okay. with the Leafs. Okay, so but like, should should people be worried? Are you worried? Do you think that there is reason for worry? Do you think that people are overreacting? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and uh, you just I, want more than ten games to decide I, that. I think the way the teams are built now, you can look down anybody's roster, including the Stanley Cup champions, and say, "Hey, you you guys didn't replace Nazem Kadri, mm-hmm. and do you really think you're going to win a Stanley Cup if you don't get somebody in uh, besides a a young player uh, like Newhook to 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 fill in?" So yeah, everybody's got their warts. Yeah. Uh, but the bottom line is, and we just heard from Mitch Marner, uh, they've underperformed. Their star players are underperformed. I don't believe for one second that's going to last uh, much longer here. They've shown the ability to carry a team mm-hmm. on many nights, much like what we see out of Connor McDavid and, and Dreisaitl. And when Mitch Marner and, and Matthews are at the top of the game, they have that ability right. to chalk up a lot of wins. That's what you're waiting for, and uh, that, that's one of the things that I'm waiting for. The, the one thing that I'll counter with that I said on this show yesterday was that I'm not sure this team is built to win yes. when it matters most. Yeah. And that's a common theme. And right. um, I often refer to it as uh, as uh, the regular season and the real season. Right. And no, they're, they're not built uh, for, for that type of uh, game in, game out, two months, mm-hmm. uh, tough hockey. It changes. It's like a light switch between... 82 games and playoff hockey and we see it and we watch it and it's been questionable whether or not the Leafs have had that character to win every night in the playoffs we kind of felt that uh, they went a different route on the on the third and fourth line they revamped that mm-hmm. and so far there are no signs at all that this team could play that type of grinding hockey right. uh, when it matters the most there are 72 other games for this team to play Maybe figure some things out. Do you think that it remains the same by the time we get to game 65? I'm, I would focus, if I'm a Leaf fan, the next five games. Yeah. And uh, I think it was uh, for sure a design that uh, we didn't hear from Brendan Shanahan or Kyle Dubas. Mm-hmm. Uh, we heard from Jimmy Rutherford last week. Yep. People were expecting them to come out, but not much to be gained out of that. Either you come out and you kind of give it to your coaches or your players right. or you're accused for, for digging your head into the sand. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's wise that they stepped back. Mm-hmm. They've got a Philadelphia Flyer team that should be tired after a, a game tonight. New York coming in uh, Wednesday night. You're rested. Mm-hmm. No excuse to have a, a bad game tomorrow night. Right. Uh, pick it up from there, Tim, and see where you are Saturday against the Bruins. Sunday against Carolina, and then you got Vegas and Pitt. (laughs) All bets are off after the next five games. Okay. Uh, Wednesday night hockey is where it all begins tomorrow. Scotiabank Wednesday night hockey right here on the network. Speaking of the network, uh, Preds and Oilers, Sportsnet 1. That is a 7 local, 9 p.m. Eastern start time. Uh, To quote Gene Principe, Connor McDavid at another level. Is there such a thing, Kipper? And I'm like, this is a God's honest question. Like, what I have seen from him over the last couple of years yeah. has been jaw-dropping. He has another level? Well, I mean, production-wise, I don't think there's another level that you can go, oh, he's even faster than he was. <laughs> yeah, he's right last year. He's just fast. He's just, yeah. they're, they're, we're all wowed by him. Where you think you might see a different level now is Connor McDavid, the goal scorer, right? right? And we think of Austin 
we think of Austin Matthews as that pure shooter. We think of Ovechkin to flirt with 50 and 60 goals. Mm -hmm. Connor's actually just, I, I think he's just put it in his mind that uh, yeah, he, he wants to put the puck in the net this year. And I don't necessarily see this sort of stuff slowing down, to be honest with you. I'm not saying he's going to score 92 like Wayne once upon a time did. Right. But I will tell you that that year, Wayne turned himself into a goal scorer. Right. And I think Connor is consciously doing that a little bit this year. And uh, this one's I, I think the number, the number can be very high if he stays healthy. He, he leads the league for me and chuckles per 60 where he just does something on the ice where I have nothing to say but a laugh. How about that defense? I mean, he's still looking for his jock strap, isn't he? <laughs> I, know. I know. All right, so, uh, so down the highway to Calgary as we kind of jump in on everybody here, uh, the Kadri Huberdeau, what do you yeah. think of that? Yeah, I think it's a good move. Uh, there's a lot of pressure for sure. Uh, Huberdeau's coming off a, a career year in, in Florida, uh, 115 points. I, I'd be shocked if he gets anywhere near that. The rest of his career that's just a, a, an unbelievable number right. and you know it's often referred to as a career year because you only have one of those <laughs> so he wants to get those numbers up and the the one beside uh, seven games now is probably a, a little sensitive to him so why not put him with your most effective player right now and the hottest player and a guy that just constantly creates in Kadri so I, I like the move is Kadri the best pickup of the offseason Oh, without a doubt. He's just, uh, he, just kind of given them a whole different look, uh, to be honest with you. And, uh, again, under-appreciated under, uh, that uh, offensive skill. Yeah. I think the Hunters knew it once upon a time when he was in London, and then there was flashes of it in Toronto, but it got uh, swallowed up by a couple of bad decisions uh, when the games were on the line, and they quit on him. Yeah. But uh, that talent... Those hands mm -hmm. have always been there since uh, he first put on skates. And maybe Kadri learned a little bit from those lessons in Toronto, which he could have applied with the Leafs. Well, but there was another big lesson in Colorado, too. Yeah, and there people was. Were people forget about it. Yeah. People were calling uh, for, for Joe Sackick to get rid of him. Yep. He'll never win with him. And give Joe Sackick a lot of credit because right. that would have been three uh, big lessons, two in Toronto, one in, in Colorado, and he, he didn't quit on him. Uh, finally, the Canucks Devils. That's a uh, seven local, 10, 10 Eastern start yeah. time. Sports net three sixty. Uh, Devils look pretty good to start the season. Yeah, uh, another good young team. Canucks. Can they build on those back to back wins? Is there anything there? Well, there is. If if Demko really starts to kind of come in in his own a yeah. little bit, and I, I often go to those uh, those tough losses with uh, the multiple game goal leads, and that's where your goaltender has to hold in if. If he would have been able to win one or two of those, it's right. a different feel. Can they get their feet underneath them now and build off of that Thursday and Friday last week where they, they got some wins? Hughes is coming back. Those are big minutes now that uh, you're going to get a puck-moving defenseman. So, yeah, let's hope that uh, that tough starts behind them and, and they can stay amongst the, the pack now. Hughes versus Hughes, you can see it at Sportsnet 360 uh, coming up a little later tonight. Kipper, will you stick around for what we call game time? Absolutely. Nick Kiprio sticking around. Jesse Rubinoff taking over. Time for our final break. We'll get you set for game three of the World Series, plus more on a busy night in the National Hockey League. Game time with Kipper and Ruby next here on Tim Fence.
the World Cup approaching the final match day of the Champs League group stage going this week in Ho-Hum. Another Canadian on the score sheet. Steven Estacchio made it back-to-back -back Champs League games with a goal. And it was the winner as Porto beat Atletico Madrid 2-1. Meantime, Tejan Buchanan played the full 90 minutes while Kyle Lahren played the last 10 for Brugge, who were held nil-nil with Leverkusen. Now, with the results, Porto win Group B with Club Bruges finishing second, but through to the knockout stage. So more Canadians right on through. Alfonso Davies, speaking of, started on the bench, played the second half, and proved, provided excuse me, an assist as Bayern Munich beat Inter Milan 2-0. Davis makes it four Canadians in the knockout stage of Champs League. Now, plenty of drama in Group D, all four teams with a chance to advance in the scenes in Marseille. Absolutely wild. They needed a win against Tottenham, and Marseille led 1-0 at the half, but Spurs came back to win it 2-1. Late goal, making them group winners, while Eintracht Frankfurt came back from a goal down to beat Sporting Lisbon, Sporting Lisboa, and uh, Eintracht Frankfurt will go through as well. He loves flexing during soccer highlights. <laughs> I love yeah. pronouncing the names yeah. properly, Jesse. That's all I love doing. Don't throw it uh, There's a bunch of moms Don't throw out my there. my way. <laughs> a bunch good. of moms out there that want to hear. Uh, every game day starts right here on Tim and Friends. Another busy night on the network. Game three of the World Series. Four hockey games. Flyers and Rangers, 7 Eastern on Sportsnet 360. Preds, Oilers, Sportsnet 1. Flames regional action against the Kraken. And the Canucks host the Devils. Sportsnet 360. 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific, but we begin the final block with game time. Yeah, Timmy. It's game time as we focus in on the games that you will be watching tonight and getting you everything that you need to know. So we begin with Philadelphia getting set to host its first World Series game since 2009. And it's a great time for sports in the city. The Eagles are the only undefeated team in the NFL after beating the Steelers at home Sunday. The Philadelphia Union advanced to the MLS Cup Final yeah. with a win over NYC FC on the weekend. And the Flyers are off to a surprising 5-2-1 start under new head coach John Tortorella. The players wore Phillies jerseys yesterday as they headed out on a road trip. The Philadelphia 76ers are the only local team that currently <laughs> has a losing record. With all, will all of this success soften the notoriously ill-tempered Philly sports fans? Hell no, Kipper. Do you ever do you have any stories from playing in Philadelphia? I mean, the famous yeah. ones are um, cheering Michael Irvin on a stretcher and booing Santa Claus when you were there. Yeah, I never got a chance to play a, a regular season game there. The year I was supposed to make it, I blew out my knee. And then uh, the following year, I got claimed by the Washington Capitals. But fantastic sports town. Um, oh, and uh, yeah, my one regret, if I had to look back, is I didn't get a chance to to wear the Flyer uniform. That was back then when you know there was still that Mystique. that rich Bobby Clark. <laughs> yeah. I'll carve your eyes out with my stick. I think tradition. you would have fit in pretty well <laughs> with the uh, with the Philadelphia Flyer. The one memory I always have of the Philly fans. Is Ty Domi yes. the box? Oh yeah, I'll never forget that. That was one, and Joe Bowen, of course. It's. I mean, I'm expecting some Let some, some raucous stuff tonight. Oh, without um, a doubt. It's a slugfest, it, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, uh, the Phillies are five and zero at home this postseason. Um, but the Astros are three and zero. So on the road, yeah. On the road, yeah. So what streak ends tonight? 
I, I think that the uh, I think the Astros are too good. I've said this a bunch of times. I, I do think that the matchup between Ranger Suarez and Lance McCullers is way better mm. for the Phillies than Noah Syndergaard. But I, McCullers has been there, done that. I don't think he'll be rattled by what he sees good. in Philadelphia, even though what he sees in Philadelphia could rattle a lot of people. Mm -hmm. McCullers has been there, done that. He's pitched in the World Series before. I think he knows what he's getting into. Uh, Timmy, what's up with the rain in Philadelphia during baseball playoffs? Yeah, this is ridiculous. Like, I, I have a list of all of the times that it's hit, but every time they have a World Series in Philadelphia, basically, it, it goes crazy, and it goes back decades. They've had a bunch of postponements. They had one game that they played mm -hmm. over three days. Like, it is absolutely ridiculous what they have gone through in Philadelphia, but I think it just adds to the lore that Kipper's talking about. You, you feel like the Phillies got a chance here, don't you? I, I, they're fun to watch at, yeah. at every at-bat. Um, and Harper's one of those guys you can't miss. Mm -hmm. A lot yeah. like Judd, when you're when at the plate. When he's going. You're not going for a, a beer in the fridge. I remember the, the Sports Illustrated cover that Bryce Harper was on when he was like 13. Yeah, 16 years old, something like that. Uh, okay, it's a, a busy night in the NHL. 12 games on the ice. Five Canadian teams in action. Four games on the Sportsnet family of channels. And earlier today, Sportico releasing their new NHL franchise values as well as mentioning that the Sens might be for sale. For the first time, the average value of an NHL franchise exceeded $1 billion with the Leafs, Habs, Oilers, and Canucks all reaching that number. Kipper, if you could, which franchise would you invest in? Uh, well, come on, I grew up in Toronto. It's not hard <laughs> to figure that one out. But it worked uh, a little bit too. Yeah, yeah and listen, uh, They've got the Ottawa Senators at what 655 did it say? Uh, but regardless, uh, again. everything I hear is Gary Bettman wants a billion dollars, and oh, yeah. and that's uh, that's the starting number for the Ottawa Senators. It'll be interesting to watch this thing play out. Uh, how quickly or how slowly he wants? How how big of a market he wants to create? How many people get invited to the table? Uh, no question that uh, what the Ottawa Senators have been able to do the last six months in, in signing all these assets went into went into play on, on, right. on selling it at a very high number. So let me ask you this. If Gary Bettman wants a billion dollars for his franchise, yeah. it remains in Ottawa? Oh, without a doubt. I don't think there's one thought. It's a high valuation for a team in Ottawa. It is, but there's also the thought that uh, with it comes a development play at LeBreton. Right. LeBreton Flats, and, right? Yeah, and that's where it is with pro sports. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could argue how long you would ever need to get your money back right. off of a million-dollar investment, and right. that's they're still going to want to go in and look at the books. Yeah. What's what's owed? What's what uh, can you write off, whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. um, it's gonna be hard to, or it's gonna take some time to get that, that actual cash number right. when, the, when the deal is done. But you're going in there with the thought that you can build a new stadium and you're gonna have right. a, a huge influence on what's around yeah. it and you're gonna get a chance to develop. That's, these are all development plays, they're all real estate plays. This, this isn't just about the Ottawa Senators and owning a hockey club. Kipper, always a pleasure having you in the studio. Thanks always for doing this. Always a pleasure being here. Thank you, Thank as you always. Too. Yeah, I know. Developments, yeah. money, Ooh. billions of dollars. That does it for us. Enjoy the games tonight. Talk to you tomorrow.